Thanks for listening to NYC. You can catch us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and other streaming platforms. Be sure to check our social media page on Twitter and Facebook. And like always, we appreciate our guests, family, friends, and you, the listeners. All right, we've got Richard David Smith III, RDS3, man. How you doing? He's our favorite lab technician, scientist working there at Fred Hutch, uh, sports fanatic, huge Mariners fan, and uh, writer. I mean, you name it. I mean, you, soft drinks, uh, the energy elixir and brain booster for the nerd in you, you name it, hyper physics creator. I mean, what else do you do? I, I don't have enough titles for you, Richard. Uh, what what else can we add to that? Actually, you know, I need you as my hype man, really, is what I need. <laughs> you make it sound like everything I do is so much cooler than it is. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. Um, you know, what's funny is I just actually finished writing a screenplay also. Oh, okay. So that, I'm, I'm, I'm very that. surprised here. You, you can add that to uh, the mix, too. <laughs> and actually, you, you're, the, like, the first person I've really told, like, you know, outside, of, outside of close family, but I'm putting the finishing touches on. You know, I'm one of those people that I don't like to talk about anything until I'm like um, either done or like almost done with it. You know what I mean? Because then you talk about it and it's like you jinx it and then you never do it, you know, if you do it early. Yeah. So I'm one of those people that like I won't come out with, you know, with I won't tell anybody. Like when we did hyperphysics, like we basically already produced a can by the time I told anyone, you know, I just... I feel like you, and that's kind of a sports thing, right? Jinxing things, right? No, no, that that's exactly. So you know, if you if you're doing something, you're on a roll. You wear the same, you know, you, you, the same underwear. You walk walk out exactly. the same door. You know, what whatever it is that that kind of keeps you in that flow and, and keeps it going positive. Uh, that's what you do. So you know, whatever you were wearing, whatever jacket you were wearing for your uh, energy elixir, um, that's probably the same thing you should have put on as you were, uh, you know, working out your screenwriting and everything else. That you're doing so um yeah that is definitely a perfect sports analogy about not jinxing anything and just uh you know keeping things going um how's your wife uh Shathai and your your boys uh rex and joseph they're great and uh i will say i i did change my underwear throughout the writing of this screenplay i'm pretty sure your wife appreciated that that, that was uh you know well i mean with the screenplay sometimes you'll be sitting there writing for i, I would have said there for like 10 out 12 hours you know and you got the <laughs> Then you got like the swamp ass thing going. It's not good. Yeah, no, you no, can, no. You, you could you, you could never have that as your as your uh, you know uh, as your whatever luck charm or whatever. No, 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 that's not soggy underwear is not going to work out. <laughs> and and I and I imagine I, I know you're a big uh, uh, gamer and EA fan. Uh, it must have cut into your Madden time. So uh, you know how how was that cutting into your Madden time? And yeah. uh, have you gotten a chance to get back into your Madden flow? Because I know you like your video games there. Yeah, I mean I try not to let too much of life get in the way of the important things like Madden. You know, like, <laughs> I, try, I try not to let that affect you know things like raising kids get in the way of a good Madden game. No, no your, your boys are old <laughs> enough, man. They, I mean, they should fend for themselves. I mean, so they, they're good, you know? No, they're good. Yeah, they, and they, you know, they, they'll watch every now and then. You know, like, I'll be playing the game, and I'll be like, hey, look, what just happened? The kids don't care at all, you know? Just be like, are you almost done so I can play, you know, Little Big Planet or whatever they're playing? Yeah. So they, they just basically want me to get off the PS4 as fast as possible. Uh, I did... Though, however, like I would, reward, I would actually reward myself by playing a game. Like, all right, if I if I write for six hours, I can play a Madden game. You know, so it was kind of like that because you know that will actually clear your head. You know that 
You, you know, uh, you know, it's funny. We we were gonna, you know, we're gonna get into a bunch of different things, but you know, let's start right there. Um, you know, you go on social media, and you've got a lot of fans upset about the new Madden coming out, feeling that there hasn't been a big advancement in uh, in this uh, video game. And I was just wondering, as a as a big Madden fan and uh, someone that plays video games, um, are the are the people correct in saying, "Hey, we we need more. It's time for more." It just seems like it's been the same video game the last few years. Right. Yeah. It, their updates are usually pretty lame, and you know, in this year, I mean, they're really not even going to have anything to. You know, there's not even going to be maybe not even a season to to pair up with the game like they would usually do. Right. They would usually like it issue it around the time the season would start. Yeah. And who knows, it's not even going to happen. But yeah, the updates, you know, and they have, uh, you know, they have this option in the game where you can, you're like, you're negotiating with the player's salaries, right? And so, I think this is like ridiculous. Like, why, why do I want to sit here and negotiate with a fake computer player I'm over a salary on my game? So, I just turn off salary cap and just give everybody like $100 million signing bonuses and you know, oh man, the players association, the NFLPA needs to hear this. You know, just turn the take the salary cap off. You you're talking about their dream scenario in a few years when they have to yeah. negotiate. Take the salary cap off and pay them and make sure that all the contracts are guaranteed. Oh my god, you're going to be a fan favorite right off the bat. Well, could you imagine like the head of the union sitting in a negotiation and saying like, "Have you ever considered turning salary cap off?" the owners that would that that would that would be brilliant i i I love that it's just it's just something else as a waste of time and it's funny you know when you hear we hear so much from the the madden game because you know we're sports fans we're football fans and it seems like the ratings that the players are getting are actually bigger than what's happening on the video game you know when you hear uh, certain players when you hear a, a Mahomes get a 98 and arm strength is this and I know Josh Allen's arm strength with his 99 and everybody lost their mind how is his arm strength stronger than Pat Mahomes but it seems yeah. like the Madden ratings is a monster in itself uh, besides the game yeah. Yeah, do you think, like, you know, when people make lists or, you know, when, when in today's, because social media is such a weird way to market now. So, like, do you think when people make these, because I've been seeing these top 10 just go around, and like you said, like the ratings, and it's like there's one or two in the top 10 that don't really belong there, and everyone kind of knows it, and then there's outrage, and then that kind of, like, promotes the list. You know, like, if the list was too perfect, then no one would have a problem. So do you think they plant things like that, like this guy should have been a 98, I'm going to make him a 95 so people will bitch and it'll it'll stir some internet. You know, I mean, they have all this marketing stuff figured out to a T, I'm sure. So argument is a great, is a great realm to put your chips in these days. You it's, know? It's, it's free promo. I mean, you can't spend uh, the amount of money that you get uh, with conversations going on Facebook and Twitter or, or, or whatever your platform is when it comes to, to these discussions. So anytime you can create that buzz, I mean, it saves you, it, it can save you millions and millions of dollars in the right. long run on just self-promotion and, and just waiting for, for that change to happen. And you get the players themselves to chime in, which is absolutely incredible. Well, isn't that fun? I mean, like, think about, like, if, if there was a game made of, like, you know, where, where you work or something, where I work, and they were coming out with it, you know, and, like, they were, like, they made me a lab technician. I'd be, like, looking at it, too, man. I'd be, like, oh, they only made me a 91. Like, I thought I was, you know. So it is kind of like, it's kind of like the day all the grades come out for them, you know, in school. 
100%. And listen, just um, just to let our fans know um, the type of work that you and Fred Hutch are doing, I, I know that Fred Hutch has now uh, been granted uh, the opportunity to do uh, clinical trials uh, for the coronavirus. So just describe a little bit kind of some of, some of the stuff that you've been working on because I want to lead that into um, the Oakley sports helmets that had just came out with the mouse shield. So I want to tie the two in together. Oh, okay, what's good? Can I throw one last thing in on the Madden thing? Yeah, of course. You can say all the things on Madden as you want. Because, yeah. uh, Matt, you were talking about, like, the new advancements, but to me, like, with some of the things, they should take a step back. Like, it's like, how realistic do these players have to look? It almost borderlines on, like, creepy, you know, because they're trying to make them look realistic, but in the end, they kind of look like half zombie, half, like, weird-looking thing. Like, I think it was better, actually, in the old Madden where it was just, like, a blank face, you know, it was like, like a helmet and maybe like a contoured face. You could see a nose or something. But, you know, it wasn't trying to like really look like, you know, Dan Marino or something. You know, like I, I yeah. like when they like capture his motion, you know, like where they put the little balls on him and they, so that when he, when he throws, it looks like how he throws. But like you don't have to actually have it look like him, you know. So to me, like they should take a little step back in that. In that department. So, what what would you like to see besides that, as far as moving the game forward, as a fan? You know, what kind of control do you want to have? Is it uh, building your team a certain way, or or being able to do different things? Like, what's something that stands out and be like, you know, what I wish we could really do this as a fan. This would advance the game and make the game, uh, you know, a lot of fun. I just like. I'm a pretty simple fan. I like the. Uh, the, I just like to hit buttons and throw the ball and you know, run and you know I'm I'm kind of old school I I just I don't need a whole lot of frills with the game but but the new the newer generation the younger generations like and even like my kids um, already like it seems like the games they play they're much more into the like the creative world of it like exploring the world creating things and to me like with video games that was like you know I'm a creative person but that was like my escape you know that that was my kind of like mind numbing Tetris, you know, where you can kind of like clear your head and do other things. Whereas like now the kids, you know, they have these games with a complex universe where you're, you know, you're creating everything in it and you're just kind of walking around in it. There doesn't seem to be any objective. I don't know. I, I guess it's how my dad felt when he watched me play games when I was a kid, you know, after he would play like Pong or something in his day. I, I agree with you 100%. That that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, let's take a, a classic game like Grand Theft Auto. Um, that was the perfect game to just kind of just while out. You know, you would put the cheat codes in, get every ammunition that you could, you know, you know, have a helicopter pop up, you know, fly up in the air, jump out of the helicopter, parachute, land, and try to blow up everything. Yeah. And then you, you never get through the game mode because you're just just mindlessly just having fun and hopping into cars and, and going all over the place. Um, now you have these, you know, intricate games um, that you're exploring. Uh, uh, what is it? Red Dead Revolver, right? Uh, Red Dead, um, my my wife had got it for me what, two years ago, I think, for Christmas. 
That was like an old West version of Grand Theft, right? Yeah, and it's just, it took forever. I never finished it because, you know, you get on a horse and I'm going off somewhere and then, you know, you got this mission. Right, you're going to buy bullets. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You got to find this. You got to find that. Find the, 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 the horse with the, give them the, the you know, the, the pail of water. And it's just like, this is just too much. I, I just want to, I just want to shoot something. You know, I want to get on a horse and shoot something. I don't want to do all of this. So, uh, well, when they, yeah, when they make the game like homework, you know, and then you're traveling from like Texas to to you know Washington in real time on your on your horse, where it takes like forty seven days or something to get there. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like it's like how fun is this really? You know, Seventy like, hours of playing time. I don't listen. Yeah. I don't have that much time. I'm lucky when I can steal an hour here and there, right. and even that's a stretch. So that you know, I'm like, I, I don't have that time to invest. By by the time, you know, I come close to finishing that, there's another game that I want to check out, and I never finish the games. Yeah, I mean, what were the good old days of Grand Theft when you could like and have have relations with a prostitute and then beat her up and take her money back? What were the good old days of wholesome days of those games? <laughs> yeah, you keep it simple, stupid, right? Just perfect. You know what we want, and that's just mindless stuff. Uh, just, just fun. And and the fighting games were kind of like that, also. You know, just you know, playing uh, you know, different fighting games and everything else. But you know, we digress. Um, yeah. you know, if you're so a football, yeah, no, no, re- real quick. You know, let's stick with the football. Um, in, se- in September, uh, there's a a football game coming out. Uh, Doug Flutie's Maximum Football. And they've already come out with a couple of versions of it, which I, I never knew about. And then it's been picking up a lot of steam on social media, and they've been making these changes and a bunch of different things. And you see shadows, and there's snow on the ground. They're, they're doing a bunch of different things. You can create your own plays. That's something that I saw now. So, you know, if you want to do a post, a hook, and an out, and everything else, you you could go someplace and, and and design and draw up your own plays and then use them in a game. And there's a bunch of different things. I, I've only looked at it briefly. But, you know, if you want something different and you want to stick with football, um, I might have to check out the Doug Flutie's Maximum Football. I know your wife's a big fan of Doug Flutie, so that should be really exciting when that game comes out in the fall. <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't like me, and I never really know why. Like she, she doesn't like sports. I'll, I'll say that she doesn't really have many sports takes. But That's like, true. That was a major take. Yeah. So, so yeah. listen, uh, Shathai, what happened? Uh-huh. What did Doug Flutie do to you? Uh, are you? Uh, do you not like Boston College? Um, what What happened? Are you an angry Buffalo Bill fan? Or I know he was a quarterback with the Bears for a while. He didn't do well. Like what happened there? That. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't know. I I just have a hatred for the northern teams, and I don't know if that's because I was raised in the south or not. But I just don't like them. It's like that's what I was taught. You don't like Buffalo. You don't like. You just don't do it. Well, Buffalo has other. You're supposed to like Miami. You're supposed to like, but not not the northern teams. All right, so so it's personal, but not personal because you just put everybody in the same basket. You're just like, yeah, they're from the north. I don't like them. It's a learned hatred. Okay, and does does this go back to his college days? Yes. Okay, so so this is a Boston college in, in yes. that kind of area. All right, so now we're getting we're getting to the the nitty gritty of it. Uh, we're gonna have to find a way to get Doug Flutie on and uh, and talk you off the ledge and see if you could get him uh, get you back on his side of uh, of um, you know the Doug Flutie world. Listen, he has his own video game coming out. That's, that's amazing. So that's uh, not even possible though. It didn't. Um... Does it just have like little flutie running around for each team, or what is it like? Um, I, Liz, I have no idea. I, I believe it's all gonna. I, I think it's Canadian Football League, 
uh, football. Oh, okay. So I will I will find out. I'm trying to get some so people from the game <laughs> on. Uh, no, I don't think it's you know 22 little Doug Fluties running around tackling each other and throwing the ball to each other. That 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 hey, listen, you know we've seen crazier things, especially uh, in 2020. So I wouldn't be surprised by any of that. Also, so like Doug Flutie, because you know as as I told you, I don't follow college football, so like I had no idea who he was. The first time I ever learned who Flutie was was when was Buffalo, like when he came out of nowhere. Because I think one of the teams he beat was Jacksonville one of the early teams when it was like, oh, you know, the Magic, and, you know, he won two or three games or something like that. And, you know, and one of his first ones was against Jack, so I was like, who's this guy that just, like, came out of nowhere? And apparently he had, like, all this, like, lore behind him. And Oh, my God. Heisman thinking. Trophy Award winner, the legend of Doug Flutie. I didn't know anything. Oh, oh listen, you got to go to YouTube and pull in the, the magical game of Boston College beating the powerhouse uh, University of Miami. And put that game on where he throws the Hail Mary to end the game to win it. I mean, to his roommate and best friend, Phelan. I mean, we're talking about if you're a writer, you're sitting there. It's the little engine that could, the big undefeated Miami team against this little no-name school, Boston College. And this this little quarterback is running around, you know, making magic. It's absolutely incredible. So when you get a chance, YouTube, I know you're not a big college football fan. Put it on because if you like drama, old college football, it's absolutely incredible. And the legend began there. And that's that's where you got his moniker, uh, Doug Fluky, from. <laughs> I, I don't know about that one, but uh, well, he's, he's, he's the remember, he's the magic man. Well, you know, one of the funniest things with him was when remember, uh, and then when uh, Jimmy Johnson was coach of the Dolphins and they they beat Flutie. And remember, he had the the box of Flutie flakes. It was like it was like frosted flakes, but it was Flutie's brand. And he like just Jimmy Johnson himself, just crazily stomping on these box of flakes like he was a madman. Like yeah, to be, defeat, be, well, to be a defeated Flutie. Well, J- Jimmy Johnson's w- was the coach of Miami. Yeah, uh, 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 of the University of Miami before he came to to the pros. Oh, you're saying so? When they he, beat, he was the college coach in the uh, University uh, of Miami. Before he even you know went to the Dallas Cowboys and eventually to the Dolphins and things like that, so he he's got he he's got a history with Flutie going back to college. It's it's all about the drama. It's all about yeah, the so storytelling. So it's it's great storytelling. Yeah, because now it kind of makes sense why he did that. Because I remember watching that, like, why is he going so insane? I mean, this guy's won you know what two three two Super Bowls. Oh, this goes back to I the Miami Hurricanes. This goes back. They they they've got they've got they've got beef going back to college. And uh, it, that, that's what makes, you know, that that's what we love about sports, right? That's our reality TV. You know, right. sports yeah. is our reality TV while everybody else is watching 90210 and whatever other that show you want to bring up. But that that's what that's why we love it. Yeah, I was saying the other day, like, there's a couple of things about sports where, like, I was telling my friend, like, why do I like it? I mean, at its core, it's, like, unimportant and kind of stupid, right? just the game itself. But, like, I like all the things around it and like just the absurdity of like all these thousands of people gathering in a place, you know, to watch people smash into each other or hit a ball or whatever the game is. It's just the absurdity is kind of like the fun of it. Like, what are we, what are we really doing out here? You know, like, but, and then you can also have moments of like social change with like Jackie Robinson and, you know, so it's not unimportant, you know? No, definitely and, and not. And, and and with the platform, and it goes back to just, you know, what we've been dealing with uh, recently with the Black Lives Matter and going back to Kaepernick taking a knee and, and everything else. And um, so th- there's always been some influences in sport that, that matter 
on, on a grander scale. And, you know, and then you always get the unexpected stories. You know, whether it's yeah. Buster Douglas knocking out Tyson, you know, or what, whatever scenario. You know, we, we've, we have them in every avenue of sports life that there's been some kind of storytelling that no one expected. And that's why, you know, you play the games even when you have a, you know, a, a favorite and an underdog because you just never know what's going to happen. And when the unexpected happens, that's when you have those memorable moments that lead to us in 2020 talking about a game that happened 30 years ago with Boston College and the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, so, okay, that, so there was more history there than I, I guess I had known about. Yeah, yeah. But if you get a chance to check it out, you know, on YouTube and on one of your uh, slow days that you're not writing something or uh, or playing some video games or, you know, inventing a, a new elixir or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure I, I, I can find time somewhere to get into that. Hey, chip what away. It's, 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 a, it's a good one. It's a good one. You should be able to find it on YouTube. I, I would think that that game is somewhere around there. Um, but... Let's get back to uh, Fred Hutch and the guy and the work that you guys are doing and and all the great work that everyone's doing there uh, under these circumstances here in 2020 and trying to find a way to uh, get a vaccine and and get us back to normality, uh, whatever that is, because I don't think we're ever going to be back to normality. There's going to be some change and some effect that that we're going to carry with us as we go forward. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what's happening with you guys. Yeah, well, the, the trials are going on there. Actually, in in my literal lab, you know, you know about Fred Hutch. It's a huge campus. It's almost like a college campus size, like a UW size kind of place. Um, but it, this one actually happens to be in mine, and you know, there's nothing special about me. Like I told you, I'm basically, you know, glorified warehouse guy. But I do know that the samples are coming in fast and furious. So that's that's good that a lot of people are participating. And you know, now it's pretty much. You know, in the earlier times I was talking to you, it was more like the data collection time. Now we're starting to maybe see, you know, maybe the investigators, you know, the, the smart people are starting to look at trends and probably, you know, figuring out just exactly what's going on. You know, science, is, you got to collect the data. You know, there's no shortcut around getting the data. You know, so that's what most of this time has been about, you know, getting stuff ready, getting protocols ready, getting things approved, getting... You know, um, and yeah, now the trials are in full force. So we'll, some information towards the end of the year, I would think some pretty, you know, solid information on this should be, you know, should have come out of what we're doing. And then of course you go to the vaccine development and that would be about another six months to a year, I would think. So yeah, you're kind of looking at the timeline of a, of a vaccine, you know, one and a half years to two years. It's kind of playing out, as I would think. But, you know, technology is so great now that, I mean, you know, the, the wizardry of computers, like we, we have, like, we're partnered with uh, with Amazon and some of their tech people, you know, and, and this was a relationship we established about a year ago. I remember, like, we had a big party and we had the, the people over and, um, you know, the president of the company. It was a big, it was a big kind of, like, merger, you know, so we have, like, those kind of, people also in our corner and that's what i like about fred hutch they look for they look for alternative solutions like everything you know like like um scorpion venom to to light up cells and things you know they do a lot of like interesting things if you ever want to spend some time speaking of doing a dive some of the stuff they do with fred hutch is pretty amazing 
And the lab that you work in, I mean, uh, superstar uh, Julie uh, McElrath, um, I mean, just the incredible people that work there. Uh, for anyone that needs more information, man, check them out. Fred Hutch, um, named after uh, Fred Hutchinson, the former baseball player. So we do always tie this in back back to sports. Um, so I'm really hoping that um, things get expedited, which it seems like it is. Um, it, it's exciting, you know. It's exciting that everyone is everyone is working on this. Everyone is working on this. Everyone is trying to find out what is going on. How can we take care of this? How can we move forward? And how can we find a vaccine? So it's um, it's exciting times. Even though it's scary times, it's exciting times because everyone's trying to get to the same common goal. You know about yeah, Julie Michael. Yeah, she's kind of she's the rock star of the thing. There was a uh, you know she's the principal investigator of our lab is what I should say instead of the thing. But <laughs> yeah, you know. She's a principal investigator in our lab, and uh, she gave a presentation um, a couple years ago, and she said thanks. To, and she had this this thing on the board was like thanks to these people, and my name was on there, and it was like getting a shout out from like you know in the sports in sports parlance, it's like getting a shout out from like a Hall of Fame coach or something. You know? Yeah, that was a cool moment for me. But um, yeah, she she's so smart that I really can't talk to her for more than two minutes probably. <laughs> you just have to drink your energy elixir before you talk <laughs> yes. to her and then you'll right. be able to uh hang in there for a few more minutes no everything i hear about her she's a superstar and uh she's just kind of leading the way in her lab and everyone working for her um so you know i know the name and, and anyone out there that knows science uh should know her name uh you know, we, we, we can't understate the the words rock star and that's what she is and hopefully her and her, her crew are going to help find this uh, vaccine and find a way for us to kind of get back to normality. Um, the NFL is trying to get back to normality and um, th- they're announcing that they're going to have uh, helmets with these uh, mouth shields. Shields. Apparently they were designed by doctors and engineers. I don't, I don't know what that means, right? I'm just reading what, um, what, what I read. I'm just saying what I read. You know, it was engineered by doctors uh, and engineers, right. you know, and there's a clear, clear plastic with slits or holes in them to block any direct path of uh, droplets. So I guess uh, because they want to be able to breathe, but redirect. So it's not coming out straight, it's coming out to the sides. Uh, what are your thoughts on some kind of technology uh, like that? Does that just, does that make sense? What, what are your thoughts? Man, I mean, I, mean, I guess it would make sense, right? If you had, I mean, because, you know, you can wear the those big ventilator masks and those kind of, those can kind of filter out. But you're saying on this one, what is it? The saliva is going to go out the side? Is that yeah, because it's a clear plastic. So the, the players, the athletes don't want everything covering their mouths like a mask, like what we have to use to walk around. Yeah. So this is going to be a part of the helmet. So it's going to be on the helmet, yeah. connected to the helmet, and it's going to be like this plastic around it with holes or slits so you could get your air, and I guess when you're breathing out, instead of uh, it being, you know, projectile forward, is going to yeah, project out to the side for it's your. Going to kind of be like a like a fishgill kind of thing. Yeah, you know that's a that's a good way to visualize it if we're having a conversation. Yeah, I would think that's a great way to to to, to think about it. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, that seems like it it could work. You know, I mean. What, what else are you going to try? Right? I mean, they're trying to get the game back in September. You know, yeah. so. 
They have to try something. I know their uh, chief medical officer for the NFL, Dr. Alan Sills, he's trying to encourage them to also put face shields. So he's thinking if they could get a face shield and get this kind of a clear plastic mask, redirect the droplets, it just it will hopefully will reduce. Now, listen, you know, we're talking about what may or may not happen on the field. Uh, that does not include, I don't think anybody's walking around with their helmets in the locker room or in the showers or anything else. So, you know, obviously there's still opportunity uh, for anyone to get sick. Um, the NFL, listen, they're, they're a monster. They're, they're billions and billions of dollars invested and they want to cash in as much as they can. So they're going to try to do everything, um, probably put, even put them in a bubble and have them just kind of bounce off one another in order to get a season. Well, see that way, that's, that's what I thought. That's where I thought the, uh, concussion protocols are going to be headed. Just players rolling around inside bubbles, you know, like just big balls with the guys inside of them, like hamsters inside of a little wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that'll be gr- that'll be great. And uh, you know, I Maybe guess if if, if you if you bump the ball three times and that that goes down as a tackle, and then a red light goes off, and that's where you have to uh, rehike the ball. And I guess uh, the passing game is going to be uh, um, nullified. It'll just be kind of running the ball. But yeah, you know, I guess exactly. That the NFL had so much money that they could possibly solve a problem that our entire medical field can't figure out how to solve. Like the NFL could actually come in in these helmets. What if they actually worked? Uh, That's how deep. That is just how deep the NFL has a hole in the country. That if they could actually make that work, right? Yeah, Yeah, they could spend all this technology on the helmets. Like maybe they could have like provided entire like communities with regular masks you know whoa 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 now let's not get crazy now (laughs) let's not get crazy you know they they're trying to get money in their pocket right you know no 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 come come on that is a good point they could just help everybody yeah so so like these helmets yeah i mean they could work and it might be like a late to the future kind of thing where like that's just the way that yeah, that is one interesting thing is like, you know, in evolution, you have moments uh, they're called chance mutations, you know, and, and that's when just a random gene will mutate. And then suddenly, you know, say a giraffe before a giraffe had a long neck, suddenly there's a mutation, there's a giraffe with a long neck. And then that giraffe has better, you know, access to resources and that, that becomes the gene that passes on. So in this, we're kind of like in a societal, like, chance mutation, you know, like things yeah. are going to go away quickly that were like sort of slowly going out now they're just going to be gone like completely you know and so this might be like one of those times when like we just start interacting differently and like the sports helmets just make a big leap and you know we'll be looking back to the imagine like a hundred years from now they'll be like that's when the the helmet changed when they had you know the COVID-19 issue you know and for us it's like a big deal but for them it's just a little blip like in a history book you know well, we've seen it change. I mean, football started with leather helmets, right? Which, you know, you pretty much could say they were wearing a hat. You know, the yeah. little leather hats and, you know, and they, they were nice and tight and fit and they looked like right. the, the same kind of leather hats you would use to, to fly the planes. All they needed was the goggles and then eventually the helmet changed and they put a face mask on it. And that's, you know, we, we could have a whole discussion on how the face mask kind of uh, maybe yeah. ruined uh, football because now people started leading with these helmets and using them as weapons. Uh, where before, if you tackled someone, you didn't want to lead with your mouth, nose, and eyes, so you would 
would get your head around them and tackle with the shoulder. You know, once you put the face mask on, that changed everything. And you could just use the face mask as a, you know, a blunt object uh, to strike your opponent. But, you know, I digress. Well, remember, yeah, and that, and that happened with, uh, was it Garrett? Garrett or no, Miles Garrett, right? Oh, when he uh, ripped the helmet off and clocked yeah, him upside yeah. the head? <laughs> yeah. So that... That was a very Cleveland thing to do, too. I, mean, that, <laughs> I guess you're but, not a Cleveland fan. <laughs> no, well, it's just that I, I grew up around, like she was talking about, the Northern teams, man, they take their, I mean, they don't really care as much about college football, but they take their pro sports. Like, really. oh, yeah. I've heard stories of, like, from my dad from back in the day when, like, you know, people would, like, take a bus from Pittsburgh to go watch the game, Pittsburgh versus Cleveland, in Cleveland, and then people in Cleveland were like, I heard stories where like they had flipped the bus over that the people came in on. Like it was, it got crazy, you know. Like it's a so, huge yeah. rivalry. Pittsburgh yeah, and Cleveland's a huge, a huge people rivalry. People don't realize, yeah, people that aren't from there don't realize how just how, you know. And now it's a little different because the games have gotten so expensive. Now it's a kind of a lot of, you know, richer type going to the games and stuff. But like back then, it was like blue collar people that hated their lives, you know, like yeah. going to the games and you know here they are fighting each other. And, so it was really big, you know, and and so I was, that's why I was saying it was like a very Cleveland thing to do. But but what will the penalties be now for something like that? When like when someone takes off their helmet to fight, now you've got an extra element of this. This is now like maybe an act of extreme violence because he's breathing in your face. You know. Oh, see that 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 would be interesting. I I think. Wow. You know, obviously that would be uh, precedent, right? I mean, it, you know, it, it never would have happened before. Yeah. You know, let's say somebody takes off their helmet and spits somebody in the face or something like that, you know, we're doing coronavirus. Yeah. Like what kind of act? I mean, geez, that, 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 that would be that would be bananas. That, that See, that goes back to your screenwriting. You, you should just do something uh, and, and, you know, this plague spreads and he goes back in, wipes it off and it gets everyone in his locker room infected. They get on the bus and get on a plane, get everybody, yeah. you know, con- contagion happens and, uh, and we're off and running and then everything's like, uh, you know, zombies uh, with little footballs sticking out of their heads or something like that. So, yeah, that, that's a great horror story. I, I like it a lot. Well, I mean, it could be a horror story, too, because, I mean, so now are the refs going to wear, like, stuff like that, too, or are they just going to be wearing regular masks, like, the regular face masks? Man, you, you, listen, I don't even know how they're figuring all this out. I mean, it's so many many questions. Yeah, I mean, it's like, and I'm not so much even worried about, like, the uniform players in the game, because they can kind of, like, play in walking hazmat suits if they have to, but I'm worried about, like, the trainers after the game, you know, stuff like, you know, when when they said, you know, that they had to, um, that they can't exchange jerseys after the game anymore. Which game is, one jersey. It's hysterical. That's funny. Right, and then Richard Sherman went off on it and everything. But, yeah, I mean, they do kind of have a point where, like, yes, you are playing the game, and it's, it's absurd on its surface. But, I mean, the whole game of the NFL is absurd. Like, you know, you could get a concussion, and you could die at any moment. Like, the whole notion of the NFL safe is kind of silly anyway. But, I mean, if you are going to take precautions, yeah, probably handing someone a sweat-filled jersey isn't the best move, you know? Yeah, that, that it's it's really interesting, um, and and you bringing up the point about the refs. I mean, how many videos have we seen, um, whether it's a game or replay, where the coach is just nailing the ref? That was a terrible call. Blah, 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 blah. And and especially yeah. the linemen that are on the side, they're right next to the coaches, so he's just you know whispering sweet nothings into his ear the whole time about how bad the call was, yeah. or, or you know whatever that is. 
uh, you know, whatever the situation is, I mean, you, you're pretty much, I'm going to look at the coach and be like, listen, man, you need to take uh, six feet back. You're a little too close, you know, but, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Is, is everybody going to wear a mask? You know, I, I mean, how do you communicate that? The, the the coaches can talk to their captains as is. So it's normally the quarterback and, you know, whoever's the captain on defense, usually your middle linebacker or whatever case. Uh, so you can communicate w- with them so they know what's going on. But as far as talking with the rest of the players or anything else, you know, do you put everybody on headset? I, listen, they're not they're not going to have it figured out. If there is a season, they're not going to have it figured out uh, completely. Yeah. They're going to kind of, you know, go along and be like, oh, we forgot about this. There's going to be trial and error. You know, and it's, it's like they want to cut off preseason games, but, like, this might be the year when you actually need them the most, like trying to figure out how you're actually going to do this in a practical way because things are going to arise that they never even imagined, you know, like as the game's going on. And everybody on social media is going to be picking apart every second of everything, you know. Yeah, what, what you're saying makes sense. The, I think the problem is that they're going to be afraid that someone could get sick in a preseason game. Yeah. So they they well, might as well. Hey, listen, if we're gonna play sixteen games, let's not add two preseason. Let's just kind of, and we're gonna find out yeah. these things. We don't know yet. They haven't made a decision on those things. They they're they're arguing all these different points. I know the um the NFL and the NFLPA are supposed to meet up real soon to start discussing what's the protocol to open up, um and, and how they're gonna go about it. Um, it, it's it's going to be really, really interesting. It's something that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. You know, we'll get back into it. Hey, listen, they figured it out. This is what they're going to do. Um, I know you're a ba- big baseball fan, and I'm just thinking about baseball as far as what their protocol is right now. And I was thinking about the Toronto Blue Jays. The, yeah, to- well, I mean, the Toronto Blue Jays have an incredible situation. Right. Well, no one really knows what they're going to do. They have to make a decision real soon. None of the teams are going to be able to go to Toronto. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Now going across the board. Yeah, that is a weird. Yeah, Canada is close to the United States. Well, I mean, they may as well have the Blue Jays play here because there's more Blue Jays fans in Seattle. It seems like than. Hey, hey, I I thought you were a Mariner fan. You're being you're being salty there. I thought you're a big Mariner fan. (laughs) No, I love them. I mean, yeah, but I mean, you know, they're a few years away still. Um. But yeah, but I, I just noticed like whenever I go to the game, it's filled. If, if they play the Blue Jays, the stadium is full of Blue Jays fans. Yeah. And 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 the good thing about that is Blue Jays fans are like the most polite fans ever. Like they they'll like apologize if they're winning the game. You know, they'll be like, "We're sorry, you know, we're winning three one." We're sorry, your team sucks. We're sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, they're not even like <laughs> they're not even condescending like that. They're actually legitimately like, "Let me buy you a beer." You know. Your team's getting destroyed. Yeah, me, I, I would. I would be a terrible Blue Jay fan. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, your team sucks, and we've taken over your your entire well, stadium, and it's all uh, light baby blue all over the stadium, and there's about well, six Mariners fans. I apologize. Well, you're a Yankees fan, so you're a naturally horrible human human being. Exactly, so. exactly. And, and it goes back to this uh, Northeast <laughs> Coast thing that <laughs> that obviously your wife doesn't like. So we fit in perfectly with that, you know. So. Well, um, you know, one of the things they got, I think that the baseball gets like tragically wrong. Speaking of like cities is that they still do this thing where they think, and you're going to hate this, but they do this thing where they think they have to show Yankees, Red Sox on the national platforms all the time. And it's like the NBA gets, gets that they, this is what I think. The NBA gets that you don't follow teams anymore. It's not 1930, you know, like people have, people can watch games outside their region. And, you know, the other thinking about the New York and Boston games, you know, and even L.A. is like, 
these are big cities, so we have a big market ship, but like times have changed. You know, you can, you can live in Tampa. You can watch every single, you know, Blue Jay game if you want it. You know, so I think that the NBA understands this. They follow the stars, you know, so like when LeBron went to Cleveland, they followed Cleveland, you know, like, the MLB doesn't do that, even with like Mike Trout, who's like in a actually. That's a perfect market. example. Yep. Like, yeah, they don't follow their stars. Like, you need to put this star on every night. Forget about the Yankees every night. You know, I mean, I know the Yankees have a lot of stars, so it, it does fit that way. But you know, forget about the big markets. It's about the players now. Like, you know, that's who they should be, and the NBA understands that perfectly. I, I couldn't agree with you uh, more. Uh, listen, Mike Trout is supposedly the the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, he is he's supposed to be the face of Major League Baseball, and we never see him. Uh, the fact that the fact that he's not in the playoffs. Listen, to be honest with you, if you're a baseball fan, you know that baseball starts in the fall. You know, for for everyone yeah. else, if you're a baseball fan, listen, you, you watch. But for, you know, the fan that just likes drama and, and might tune into a few baseball games but will watch yeah. the playoffs, that type of sports fan, you never see Mike Trout. And and I and it's one of those things where I've had discussions with people before and they think I'm nuts where where they say Mike Trout is, is the greatest and everything. I'm like, I'm sorry. What has Mike Trout done? Because <laughs> you never see him, but... And we're on the West Coast. Like, imagine the East Coast really never sees it. What exactly? You know, listen. I know he's a great player. He's a fantastic player. But right, the, 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 the the great players are made in the playoffs. They win. They advance. You know, right. they they they're they're showcased on the biggest stage. You 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 never see him. You never well, see him. And, and it, it's unfortunate, but it, it's it's true. In Major League Baseball, which I think they did a much better job in '80s, and especially in the '90s, with all the commercials and chicks dig the long ball and this one and that one, Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, yeah. You don't see those type of commercials nationally anymore, so you don't promote your your star players. I mean, I should have, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and you're right; they did back for a while, and then the strike happened, and the steroid stuff happened, and this baseball just took a weird path a little bit, you know, but as far as like the, you know, crowd goes, I, I hope, you know, I like him, but I hope, I don't want the Angels to win. I, I'm not I, I thought that was your second favorite team, the Angels, <laughs> after the Mariners. Is, is, is that true? <laughs> I can't tell you how much I hate the Angels now. Like, I mean, I've always hated them. I have so many problems with this team. What, 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 do, what did they do to you? First of all, you this know, is they, a safe they, place. Talk, talk to they, us. Let us know. They, they, yeah. They get every, they sign every free agent that the Yankees don't get. So they're already like the free agent sloppy second team. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, so they wait for the postseason to come around, but then they annoy you because you know they're going to get whoever the Yankees don't get. So like, so they sign these free agents. But here's the other thing: I've never met in my entire life an Angels fan, and I have not talked to a person who roots for the Angels. I've met a fan of, I, I guarantee you, every other team. I've never met an Angels fan. I don't think anyone actually gives a shit about this team. Like, they're, they're like a Disney creation. Like, even their team is like, it plays inside of like a, almost like an amusement park. Like, they're in Anaheim, like, the home like of Disney. Anaheim. Right. They have the stupid, like, fake mountain. I mean, it's just, the whole thing is like a gaudy monstrosity. But then, and then they suck on top of that. So they're not even good. Like, like I don't, I don't even hate the Astros and they cheated. I hate the Angels. And then the Angels on top of that, this offseason, they bring in Joe Madden, who's like, you know, I used to live in Tampa. He's my favorite 
baseball coach. I, I love Joe Madden. Really? Okay. He's a Pennsylvania guy. And so like, when he left the Cubs, which I never thought would happen, but, you know, it is the Cubs. You would you would get rid of the guy who brought the World Series to you, right? So, like, they got, you know, they let him walk. And then I'm like, well, maybe the Mariners have an outside shot. I knew the timing wasn't good, you know, but I was like, hold not hope. But I was like, you know, as long as he doesn't go to the Angels. So I started hearing those rumors go around. And, and usually when the Angels want somebody, they get him, right? So it's like, especially if the Yankees don't want him. So, there he goes, you know. So now they have Joe Madden, my favorite manager, on their stupid team, and then they've got Otani already. Like broke my heart with that one. Like he, Otani, by all he should have been a Mariner. He should be a Mariner. He should have been a Mariner, and he should have followed Ichiro. He, he should, he should have been a Mariner. It killed me, man. That, that really, probably of all the things that's ever happened in sports, that's got to be in the top five. Like just dagger in the heart moments because, like. You know, he, he Otani turned down the Yankees and Sox. So it's like, okay, we got the big players out of the way. Yeah. All we got to do, all we got to do, is get the money. And then Zapoto pulled off that deal to bring in D. Gordon, and he got international cap space. And I was like, oh, he's ours now, man. Now we have the money and the location and Ichiro backing us. And then he said, I, I remember my buddy Kevin. He's a big Phillies fan. I walked in and uh, he's like, oh yeah, the Angels signed Otani. He's like, you, you know, I, I just couldn't. I just punched him in the face just for telling me the <laughs> The dagger in the heart, Otani going, and now Madden yeah, follows it up. Oh, man, yeah, you, yeah. you can't catch it. Listen, the Angels were good when they were the California Angels. They haven't been good since they've been the Anaheim Angels. Right. So that's, anyway, that's my Angels rant. I, I don't like that team. Whenever you see them, just think about me hating them. And well, the problem is we don't see them. So I, I don't, I don't, you know, it's, it's rare, you know, are we going to see them this year? Is MLB going to say, Hey, we've only got 60 games. Let's put them on. By the way, they're still charging, you know, this astronomical amount of money for you to get the MLB package, which I think, I think is ridiculous. They should have just put all the games on and make the package available to everyone, you know, yeah, since it's a shortened season. And then if people like it, they would just buy it next year. But you know, marketing and Major League Baseball, I you know, I don't think they do a really good job, uh, they don't. Uh, especially lately. I thought they did a better job in the 90s, but not recently. Right. Somehow they went back to their 1980s business model instead of just continuing along in the 90s like they should have. I've, I've got uh, a friend that um, spoke with somebody at Major League Baseball, so I'm going to obviously not name names. And <laughs> one of the things that they said was that they are – making so much money and they're so profitable that they disagree with the comments that we have about that the sport is you know not doing well uh, I think they do a terrible job with promotion I think they do a terrible job in uh, in uh, communities um, they don't have enough uh, black stars you know they just I thought at one point we were seeing more black athletes become baseball players, and yeah. now I see less of them. And and it's and it's unfortunate. We probably could sit here and start naming them. That's how few, uh, you know, black baseball players are out there because it's just something that they're not doing. And there's so many talented athletes and people that love baseball, but it just doesn't uh, call call to them, and it's not welcoming. And their their 1940s rules about showing up the pitcher after a home run or having fun, 
right? You know, and, and it's funny because I'm a Yankee fan, and I know they've got some weird rules, but they're weird, they're weird rules about, about you know, the beard and the short hair and looking presentable and stuff like that, you know? So I understand those weird rules. But the weird rules of not having fun and, and not celebrating after a home run. Yeah, that needs to go, yeah. It, it's ridiculous. Listen, man, if I could hit a home run, I would moonwalk from third base to home and then do a little windmill on home plate and then get up. But the problem is next time I come up, the baseball, the, the pitcher is going to be offended and then try to hit me with a 98 mile per hour uh, fastball in my ear. And, and, and and apparently that's okay because it's retaliation for you showing them up. It's mundane and it takes away the excitement. You look at football, you look at basketball, they celebrate, they have a great time. So the athletes gravitate to those sports and other sports, but primarily those, when we're talking about the big three sports, they gravitate to those sports, sports because when they get to baseball, major league baseball, they got to all kind of fall in line. It's like, Oh, we're going to, you know, sister Teresa's house and uh, make sure you keep your elbows (laughs) off the table and put the napkin on your lap and that uh, that fried chicken that's in front of you you have to use a fork and knife you can't pick it up and bite into it and that's the problem with baseball that's that's a great, yeah that's a great point it does kind of have that vibe to it right like the we we can't have fun vibe um I, I, got, like, I gotta pick up my fried chicken I have to pick yeah. up my fried chicken. I want a little oil going down the, you know, the down the elbow. You know, we get, I want the extra gravy on the mashed potatoes. I don't like the mashed potatoes too dry. You know, you got to get the biscuit to kind of wipe and soak everything up. You know, if I got to do all that with a fork and knife, it just doesn't work. Yeah, we're talking Seattle, so it's like, you know, I'll eat my sushi with my hands. I don't need chopsticks. I don't need no damn chopsticks. Right. Exactly. I'll, I'll eat my, I'll eat my forty-three dollars. You know five-piece sushi with my hand. Thank you. Well, that's, you're right. And, well, you know, at least in Seattle, we, have, we eat the grasshoppers, you know, the fried grasshoppers. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I did that. I, I ate some of them. Yeah, did, 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 did your wife kiss you when you got home or you didn't tell her? No. Yeah, yeah no. see, 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 she's <laughs> smart. She's like, nope. That, that, well, yeah, that, that's yeah. not happening. That's not, well, yeah. Yeah. go ahead. <laughs> the funny thing is, is I brought some home, you know, because you, you know, oh, you're, like you're crazy. You're well, well, I mean, you crazy. Know, well, they, they give you a cup of it, but you know, you can really only eat like two or three. You know, I just did it for the novelty. It's kind of, it kind of tastes like uh, grasshopper. Kind of tastes like crickets, I would say. It's just, um, yeah, I wouldn't no, know. <laughs> no, grasshopper tastes like kind of tastes nutty. It's like you know, it's, it's like eating a very fibrous nut, like a like a sunflower seed without taking the shell yeah, off. That's yeah. the closest I can describe yeah. it. I, I tried one, but it was just to let them know that I could man up and do it. Uh, but it'll never happen again. No, well, no, 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 no. That 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 can't happen. Listen, I have issues when I go to a baseball game, and I have a beer or two, and I have garlic fries, and oh, I yeah, get home, and my wife is like, "You stink! Like you, you've got garlic <laughs> coming out of your pores. Like you need to like you need to wash up. You need to take a shower. You need to get some Dove in your mouth. You need to do something else because you just reek. Let alone me coming in eating grasshoppers, crickets, and whatever else. If I told her that, she 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 she, she probably never kissed me again. She gets grossed out. She gets grossed out. So that that's the end well, of that. The the love life is over at that point. Imagine well, imagine now when you come home from a game. You got COVID. You've got you got a grasshopper leg hanging out of your teeth. You got yeah. I mean. But you were talking about the uh, the thing where the games are, are they're still charging money to watch the games. Like to me, that should be free this season. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's a, kind of a, a thank you to your baseball fans that have dealt with all the nonsense uh, the last and couple I, of months and last couple of years. And listen, I, I just see it as a money investment because if fans really like those MLB channels that where you could see all your teams no matter what or flip to any channel and see your favorite team like the Angels, then that, that would promote them for next year and they would spend the money. Yeah, I mean, and it's, again, another one of these things that baseball does is antiquated. Is like, you know, I mean, maybe the days of, like, those kind of packages and stuff are just – are also over. You know, like, maybe maybe you start showing games on Twitter like you used to show them on Fox, except, you know, the ads come from a different place now. You know, it's like, why, why do they have to keep going to this pay-per-model when everybody can get it for free, mind you. If your fans are listening, just, just Google NLB Games or Reddit, and that problem will be solved. But – <laughs> yeah. On a Reddit thread, you can, you can literally watch every baseball game. So, so are you uh, excited about your sixty games? By the well, by the way, I you know anyone listening probably already knows, but uh, July twenty fourth is opening day. August thirty first is the trade deadline, which we'll get into in a second, and then September fifteenth is the last day for anybody to be on the roster that's going to be eligible to be in the playoffs. So by that September fifteenth, whoever's on your roster. If you make the playoffs, which I think everybody in the team, in, you know, everybody's supposed to make the playoffs, um, will uh, be set. Um, so July 24th, opening day, man. Are you, are you excited? Are you a big Mariner fan? You got a bunch of young kids. You uh, you stole one of the top prospects for the Mets and got got rid of a monster contract in Cano. Uh, that's that was the beauty of dealing with a new GM uh, with the New York Mets that you were able to dump salary and get a top prospect. So I never know how that happened, but you've got a lot man. of great kids coming up, man. Are you excited? Well, yeah. I mean, of course, nothing has come to fruition yet at the major league level, but from the looks of it, from the prospects we have, it looks like Depoto's done one of the most masterful GM jobs like in the history of the game. I mean he he, he turned the team that was sinking into a into a team that was maybe one or two years away from like being being competitive, right? And he did that quickly. Like I mean even when like uh Epstein took over the Cubs, I mean he was like, I'm trying to turn the Titanic around. It's gonna take a long time. You know, you try to turn a huge ship around and take and so he took like five years or something and, and Dakota's almost got this going like to where not this season, I'd say, but next season they might start looking like a team that can compete and maybe take a, a leap further like the Braves did. You know, the Braves kind of competed like a year before everyone thought they would. They may always have that possibility. But, um, yeah, man, they, they, the youth looks good. Um, the You know, Kellenic obviously, yeah, he'll be in the Mets fans' nightmares for years to come. You know, it's kind of weird that, like, being a Mariners fan, the longest playoff drought of all teams in all sports, right? But yet, you know the Mets are, are even kind of more hapless. So it's kind of like you know that the Kellenic's going to be good by virtue of the fact that you know that the Mets are going to suffer because of this. So that's how I kind of have faith in this move. It's by, you know, kind of it like was brilliant. In- it was brilliant. Yeah, it's not like the inverse of the Mets. Yeah. So, and then you got you know Hancock that they just drafted. Uh, this guy Emerson Hancock. Have you seen much about him? Or- you know, well, you know, I always take guys to get drafted uh, with a grain of salt because it feels like you don't see them for a few years yeah. before they even come up. Although, you know, a season like the one that we're about to have can expedite some of those things because uh, one of the things that's going to really hurt all players is the fact that if you're not with a major league team, there's nowhere for you to go. 
There's no minor league system. You're, you're not getting at bats in AAA. Yep. You're not pitching. You're not doing anything else. And I'm pretty sure they're going to still have ways for these guys to work out. But all of these guys that should be in single A, double A, and kind of doing certain things and, you know, uh, and, and being, you know, in their minor league affiliates and whether it's Trenton, New Jersey or Brooklyn, New York, or, you know, down, uh, you know, down south here in Seattle, um, getting ready to, to hone their craft so they can come up to the big leagues in a couple of years. This is really going to stunt their growth. And it'll be interesting to see what, what the ramifications are going to be for these players. Or maybe not. Maybe some of these guys will fast track a little bit faster and come up to the big leagues and they're not going to worry about service time. Yeah. And, you know, and that just, just the season presents like an interesting opportunity for the Mariners because of, like we were saying, the, the expanded rosters because, you know, you're going to have to have them. But what if someone tests positive one night or something and you got to replace them immediately? And then also there's going to be double headers and teams going to six man rotations like the Mariners are. So, um, Which I think is brilliant. I think it's smart. I think every team should do that. Yeah, and and you can even not. you can even have a conversation whether they should be doing that anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, going to a six man rotation, it's going to be right. really important with the with the extra inning rules where they're going to put a man on second base. I think you oh, need yeah. to have a starting pitcher uh, saved. Yeah. Uh, f- uh, toward the end of the game or, or something like that, or you're going to have to hold back one of your top relief pitchers in, in a tie game and say, okay, I'm not going to use them in the eighth inning. I might need them in the 10th. So the strategy is really going to change. Uh, for the National League, they're going to get a DH. And by the way, they're never going back to not having the That's DH. Fine. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah, they're never going back. Once, once that's gone, it's over because, you know, the players want it anyway because it's an extra. It creates more league. jobs, yeah. Right, yeah, but um, yeah, it's, it's gone. I mean, and I, I love the no DH myself just from a strategy standpoint, but I mean, now I'm in Seattle, I'm in like kind of the home of like the DH, you know, Edgar Martinez, you know, he's yeah, Mr. DH, yeah, yeah. So, so like, I guess I kind of have to like, if I consider myself a true Seattle person, I have to like the DH now, but but yeah, I, I normally didn't like it though. I like National League style just because you have that extra element of you know your pitcher comes up and, you know, you, you take him out, you leave him in, you bunt. You know, I like that kind of little game within the game thing. But, you know, it's probably time to go. I don't think it's going to hurt the feelings of too many fans, really. If you would ask me a few years ago, I would have had a problem with it. You know, uh, same same situation. Uh, maybe just growing up watching traditional baseball. Right, I, you know, growing up in New York, I had the American League with the Yankees and National League with the Mets, so I saw both of yeah. them. Because, you know, even if you were a Yankee fan or a Met fan, you were watching both because the crazy eighty Mets with Strawberry Gooding and and, and that craziness, you, you had to yeah. watch. If you're a baseball fan, you watch that. So having the DH, if you would have asked me then, I would have been really upset about it. Now, um, you know, you, you go through the first four, four or five innings, and if you know you get someone like Degrom even longer. You get to the eighth, ninth spot. I mean, it's just you're just giving away outs, and you can see the strategy with the pitchers just kind of working around uh, some of the guys, the six, seven hitters, and just trying to get to the eight, nine hitters, um, and then trying to get that nine hitter out so they could start with the top of the lineup uh, fresh in the next inning. It just feels like you're taking away some of the offense, which kind of slows down the game a little bit. Because for all the Bartolo Colones that hit, you know, these great massive home runs in, in San Diego a few years ago that everybody talks about, the, the reality is that most of these pitchers just don't hit anymore because they don't practice it. 
Yeah. They haven't hit they haven't hit a baseball since probably college or something like that because it's not something that they work on. They might come up and hit a couple in the cage, but not like a professional hitter. Yeah. You know, and these guys throw 97, 98 and they hit you, you know, with a 88 mile per hour slider or, or, or change up. It's just too hard to hit with the DH. You take that out of the equation. You create more jobs. Uh, you'll, you'll keep a guy like a Cespedes with the with the Mets. That now he'll be able to be in the DH spot as someone that's been hurt, uh, you know, a, a lot and frequently. Um, and National League, these guys that were couldn't play the outfield anymore or the field anymore, they were running to the American League. Now you you get to keep them in the National League and have them go to the DH spot. So uh, you know, I, I, it's growing on me. I, I think I'm ready for the change. You know, I think, um, and as a Yankee fan, you have to like the DH because that's where every once great thirty-seven-year-old player ends up. Damn right, damn right. We get our Wade Boggs, our Cecil Fielder, (laughs) our David Justice. You name it, baby. They and they're all been clutch. And you know what's funny is like the the trajectory (laughs) seems to be kind of like in life, right? The all the the, kind of like in in the twilight of his career, player goes to the Yankees, and then when he's kind of like, yeah, you're done now, then he would go to Tampa. And be the DH, <laughs> like when he had nothing left, then he would be on the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, because Tampa and, and not you know it's it's messed up, but I, you know I, I listen. First off, I think the Tampa Bay Rays are a really good team. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I really oh, yeah. do. I, I think they're that good. I think they're a really really good team. But well, especially Tampa them, Bay is just that it's, that stadium sucks. It, it, yeah. The, the ambiance. Uh, just everything about it. I mean, they need to tear that thing down and go outdoors. And I, I, listen, I know the well, summers are hot in Tampa, but they've got to figure out a, a, a fun way. Every time I watch a game on uh, from Tampa, it's just it's it's horrible. It's these dome these dome stadiums. I, I just I'm not a fan. Well, I think Rays fans were pretty ahead of their time because they were already socially distancing before. This stuff <laughs> they should, they but, but they, you, you would think put, you would think that they would know better. But Florida, you know, <laughs> here you go, right. Um, yeah, man, the, the DH, you know, and then I wonder, you saw that King Felix retired, right? Excuse me, say what? Uh, Felix Hernandez, you know how he went to the Braves to play this year? Wait, I, I thought he was just sitting out the year because he didn't want to deal with the coronavirus. Oh, well, why would he do that? He's, he's why would he try to come back after that? But no, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think he retired. I, I mean, oh, okay. I, I'll, well, I'll, I'll double you know, check. But, uh, no, you're probably right. Yeah. You're probably right because I never saw the word retire. I think I just assumed it because I was like, he's already kind of. No, he, he's he made so much money here that he was like, I don't need to go and 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 try to try to make this team and just kind of hang out and enjoy life. Oh. He's 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 made so much money, um, you know. And listen, yeah, we we seen we've seen it here in Seattle the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, you know, you remember Juan, a uh, good buddy of mine. We talk baseball all the time. Yeah. You know, I was saying since since I got here, since I moved here, saying Felix needs to be in the bullpen, and everybody was looking at me crazy. I was like, I was like, he's done as a starter. He's always hurt. He's out of shape. You could tell that yeah. you know, being a millionaire, it, it gives all the perks. He did whatever he had to do. He was a fantastic pitcher, arguably a Hall of Famer. And, you know, he had incredible dominating years. I don't know yeah. if he's done enough enough of those well, years. I think he will because of the metrics age. You know, like they'll look at his numbers and see that he really dominated. You know, regardless of record, he really dominated the game for like a stretch of what would you say about seven years. Like I, 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 I think it's going to be less than that. And I, I just think that um, being with the Mariners, being on a losing team, 
Uh, well, yeah. If he gets in, he's <laughs> not. If he gets in, he's not going to get in for a while. You know, after two thousand and one, man, the, the Mariners became forgotten. You know, and and you you stop thinking about Felix. You know, you thought about Felix here and there, but it was like Felix Ichiro and kind of Ichiro and. Um, I, you know, going back to my original point, I thought they should have moved Felix into the bullpen, you know, at least two years ago. And, and I think he could have maybe done a John Smoltz or something like that. Because it, when he pitched here and you, you've seen a lot of his games, uh, first couple of innings, he, really good. I mean, I disagree. I think Felix should have been moved to the broadcast booth of anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> because like he was done to me, like in all ways, like, and, you know, and like I said, I, I loved him. I didn't live here like during his, his heyday. I can't right? like, yeah. when he filled out, but like, I, I'll make a prediction about him. Just like the uh, no DH rule, he, he won't be coming back after this year. I don't, I don't see Felix. Well, I mean, why, why would you even? You know, I mean, like you said, he's got so much money, and I thought maybe the NL was attractive to him because, like you said, it's an easier league to pitch in, and actually, Felix can hit. I mean, that guy can hit. So he, those two things may actually dissuade him from coming back. You know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, listen, who do you think, who, you know, just kind of going back to the, the AL West and the Mariners, um, you know, who do you like this season? You know, since we're talking baseball, who do you like uh, going into going into the season and um, and the AL West and, and what, what's your outlook on the baseball season? Even though I know it's still early and this is a conversation we could probably have in, you know, another month and a half, two months from now. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know... I- I'm just going to say the Angels are going to win the World Series. So that way I can't lose because, like, if they win, then I'll be right. And if they lose, I'll be happy because I don't like the Angels. So It's all, it's all about the Angels. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go, like, place one of those Vegas bets on the Angels, you know, like where you, 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 know, you bet $5, you can win, like, 500 if you bet before the season or something. Uh, Angels so, are 30 to 1. 30 to 1. Okay, so, yeah, you get... You do the math. You get 150 bucks off of a five buck. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, L.A. Angels are 30 to one. The Yankees have the best odds right now at three to one. Dodgers six to one. I'll, I'll just go through the top ten. Okay, uh, Astros are seven to one. Braves 12 to one. Phillies 16 to one. Cardinals 16 to one. Nationals 16 to one. Mets are 18 to one. No way in hell. Red Sox are 20 to 1. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And the Indians round out your top 10, uh, 25 to 1, the same as uh, Minnesota Twins at 25 to 1. So that is your betting line. If you want to go to Vegas um, and lay down some money, those are your odds to win the 2020 World Series um, this year. Uh, Your long shots, uh, well, you know, you have three teams that are 1,000 to 1, and that is the Orioles, Tigers, and Marlins, and I would tell you to save your money with that. By the way, uh, the second longest odds are two teams, uh, 500 to 1. That is the Kansas City Royals and your Seattle Mariners. Well, and what are the Rays at? Did we say that? Or? I'll tell you right now. The Rays are thirty to one, and I think yeah, that is good money. That's a good bet, man. That's a good bet. I, I, I might do. That. I I think that yeah. is really so. You got to go down. You got to get in your car and go. Uh, I guess to uh, Emerald Queen, right? Because I think you got to go you down to Emerald. There? Huh? You can you, can, you can now bet uh, sports 
at the casino. So we still, because, you know, apparently 2020 doesn't apply to us, um, we still can't do it on our phones here in Washington. But if you go to to Tulalip or Emerald Queen or any of the casinos, I believe, I'm not sure if it's just at the Indian reservations, you can go and place your bet. The Tampa Bay Rays, if we were discussing money right now, if you were going down there, you say, hey, Will, listen, yeah. uh, throw it out. Hey, you got 20 bucks. Hey, listen, 20 bucks. Tampa Bay Rays, 30 to 1. They have really good pitching. They've got good hitting. The manager's really good. Um, I think they can surprise some people if they get into the playoffs and make yeah. some noise. I like that bet a lot. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, maybe maybe we should take a little drive to the country, you know, a little uh, socially yeah. distance. Yeah, yeah, socially distance to the to the, uh, the black the mask, ja- you know? <laughs> blackjack table. <laughs> yeah, just show up there with your mask and just I'm gonna put some money up in the Yeah, pick up some crickets. Right. You know. Well, I mean, you know, I think. Because I think that the teams that have good bullpens are going to be the ones that emerge this year because of the weird way the season's going. And the Rays, I mean, no one has the better like front of group of people than them. You know, they have like middle relievers that throw 170 miles per hour or something like that, that with a ball that dips around and, you know, somehow they found like all these wizard kind of pitchers. You know, the ones that like you watch the highlight and the ball tails in a way that it shouldn't. Like somehow they get all these guys. They got Blake Snell. They've got, they've got good guys. Uh, listen, oh, think- I'll give you the 31 teams. The Cubs, the Reds, the Angels, the Athletics, the Padres, and the Rays are your 30 to 1 teams. In fact, the Milwaukee Brewers are 40 to 1. And Man, that dude. might be a really surprising bet. They were really good last year. Yeah. Uh, the question mark will be the bullpen, but they were really good last year. That's another interesting team. I like the Rays and the Brewers if you were going to take a chance and throw some money down and try to hit big and then maybe go with a, a few short things uh, just to even it out or something like that. But I, I like those two teams with the 30 to 1 and 41 outs. Let me let me give you my 800 number so people can call and get some more <laughs> get, the, get the more sure thing back. Some of those guys that do this. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just put in the code uh, discount. Yeah. and uh, you know, I'll give you three. Locks, I'll give you three locks of the week. Have you ever done one of those things? No, I, I've 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 heard it. I've heard it on uh, on the radio because you know I'll, li- yeah, I'll you listen to the radio. Yeah. Um, man, who is the? I'm trying to think of the guy that I, I've heard before. Anyway, whatever. I don't want to just uh, stand okay. here and uh, and try to think about it. But uh, yeah, I've I've heard those. You know, ah, text that's, me, text me the lock. I'll get you the locks. Right. That's you know. Actually, I want to call it one day just for fun. Maybe we should do that on the air one day. Just call this guy. But I thought like, you know, in in that in that scenario with those guys, like. What the, I mean, what do they do? Like, when you call them up, what do they say? It's, it's basically the sports equivalent of, like, on, like, AM Talk Radio when they had the guys, you know, I got your stock tips, you call up. That's the sports fan version of that. Yeah, like yeah. The carny, guy, the carny guy who's trying to sell something that, you know, he's got his guarantees and, yeah. yeah. So it, it's probably one guy that picks up and goes, I like Toronto. It hangs up on you real quick, you know, or something like <laughs> right. that. Just something real creepy, you know, is, you know. <laughs> yeah. Some you know, shady character. Or, or maybe just whispers it like, I, I like the Blue Jays. You know, it just yeah. just hangs up real quick. Just like, oh no, did did I call yeah. the wrong number? Is That's creepy. Does somebody need help? You like know, that, said, that was really creepy, you know? Yeah, like he'll say it real quick and then he'll run out of his own house after he says it, you know, like for some reason. Um, but yeah, that, that's the kind of vibe you get with those with those people that, you know, 
obviously somebody's calling them because they keep advertising them. So oh no, they're, they're making they're making money. You know, some de- degenerate gambler is uh, trying to get all the yeah. the tips he that he can get. Uh, and why not? I mean, geez, you know, you, you might as well throw it out there. I, that's something that we need to put on. Uh, just, you know, call and I'll just give you some random, uh, some random tips and, you know, say, Oh, uh, you know, I like the Rockets plus four tonight. And it's like, wait, the Rockets ain't even playing tonight. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, I'll take the Warriors, uh, minus three, <laughs> you know, just make, mix stuff up. You yeah. Know? If you lose, don't call. If you win, send me 20%. Appreciate it. Bye. You know? Yeah. Some nonsense. Yeah. And those things were all over when I lived in Vegas, man. Those, those were everywhere. Yeah. You lived in Vegas, dude. Everything is everywhere. Yeah, oh, oh. every strip, every corner, there's something. Las Vegas is uh, all the best and worst of America crammed into one spot. Listen, that's, that's I, I, I like I like Vegas, but I go to you know different parts of Vegas also besides the strip. Obviously, I go to the strip right because you, you just have I, I like to right. You know, but uh, you know, you go to Henderson and you you know you you go hiking. Yeah. You you know you go different <laughs> places. I like the pool parties. Um, you know, you know, every, everything about it, you know, obviously we're not going to a buffet anytime soon, but you know, you go to the wind buffet, you know, you get, you get their buffet. Usually the lines are ridiculous. You stay on this line for like an hour, you get in and then you just overeat because you've waited so long and you want to get every dime out of it. Um, or, you know, you, you go to Bobby Flay's at Caesar's restaurant or, you know, something yeah. like that. Uh, Hell's Kitchen is, is, is right there also. And, uh, uh, it's just, it's fun. I, I like it. it. And I like just hanging out in the street where they got music and stuff like that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And again, it's kind of like the, like the fascination with sports where it's kind of like the absurdity is kind of the fun of it. Like, I mean, here you have people, you know, a hundred year old woman who can, you know, barely pull a lever on the slot machine. And she's just doing it over and over. Just any anything to give away her money, you know. It's, it's like, that oxygen being pumped in, keeping you there. Right, oxygen tank, smoking a cigarette. And like the, the weirdest thing I saw in Vegas, I think, is was somebody exercising, like running down the road. And I was like, that looked strange to me in Vegas. It's kind of like, who the hell runs in the desert, first of all? But like in Vegas, you know, you're not, you don't make good health decisions in Vegas. You know, it just doesn't. It didn't seem right, you know. No, you you make smart you make smart decisions. You 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 decide to go to, uh, you, you know, you can buy a couple of drinks there, and, and but if it's going to be one of those type of weekends or you're meeting up with friends and stuff like that, you have to go to the liquor store because if not, it's just too expensive. You you got to have a bottle or two in your room, yeah. So everybody can make their drink because you you know if you've been to Vegas, you know you can walk anywhere with anything in your hand. I mean, yeah. you know, we probably could walk into a church with with a you know a, a fifth of a cardi or whatever case may be, and it's it's just nothing. So you know you got to make well, your drinks and, and find a way to conserve some of that money. Well, one time I walked into a White Castle with a shoulder launch rocket, and then you know no one no one blinked an eye. So it was like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a crazy place. Yeah, and, and listen, if you're, it's funny you say that, but if you're a, a, a gun fan, there are plenty <laughs> of places out there that you can go and and blow up anything and use any kind of weapon. Like you said, it is a very, very interesting place. I've got some really good friends that live out there that, I mean, they they they've got just just wonderful people and just big hearts. And uh, every time I go out there, one of my friends is a is a DJ out there. And, um, you know, at the, at the Chateau. So shout out, uh, uh, for my DJ buddy out there at the Chateau, um, go out there, 
you know, they're just so welcoming and just love them out there. And uh, I, I listen, I, I love Vegas. I love Vegas. But Vegas, if you stay on the strip too long, you start to see what's behind the curtain. Yeah, and, uh, well, we lived there. We lived there for three months. So imagine how much of behind the curtain we yeah, saw. Yeah, yeah. You you can't be by the strip, and and all of my friends that live there, they don't they don't hang on the strip unless they're seeing somebody or visiting somebody that's in town. So, but right. besides that, if you live there, you don't you don't spend your time on the strip. But it's it's a great place, lots of friends, and uh, I always have a good time. At just uh, the great balance of kind of spending time on the strip spending time at the pool and then spending time outside with your friends and enjoying really the, the rest of Vegas. That's not on the strip. Well, they have, I, I liked more the Fremont area. That was like the older strip part of the strip. You know what I mean? It's a, yep. that was like, that was like where you see more like your old school looking casinos that were, you know, one of the originals, the golden nugget. Uh, yeah, exactly. The golden nugget. Every place is named the nugget. Some, some modification of the nugget, but like, the, the the buffets that you were talking about, like that that whole scene is gone. Like that I had heard about for years. All I ever heard about when I was a kid was you go to Vegas and oh yeah, they're giving away the food and drinks, and you know you can't two dollars for you know ten pounds of food, you know, and then you go there and everything now is jacked up because it's you know Disney and it's all Disneyfied now. Yeah, it, so, it, it is. It's, it's a completely different. You know, you almost it almost seems like it was much cooler when the mob ran the town. One hundred percent. Listen, you are one hundred percent. You know, we've got friends there and everything else uh, that that talk about that. Not only that, parking parking is ridiculous. If you go yeah. and roll up to to a hotel or something like that, you'll spend. 30 40 50 dollars on parking they used to say all that parking was free because they just wanted you to come into the casinos and spend time and now parking is being charged and that's one of the reasons why the locals are just avoiding the place and every time i go there i never rent a car i I just go uber or lyft or whatever the case may be uh back and forth to you know wherever i'm going obviously you're on the strip you don't i don't even need that because by the time i wait for a cab get online wait for a cab and it drives me you know eight blocks down and do the same thing and hit all the traffic on the strip i would have walked there already so when i'm in vegas i just I, i just walk everywhere i tell my wife i say sweetie uh those really cute sexy shoes you have keep them in your hand put on your tennis shoes and then when we get there then you put on your cute little shoes and then you're, you're ready for the evening because it just doesn't make sense to wait for these cabs you, you wait half an hour and you you walk there in 10 minutes it's ridiculous that's a, yeah that's actually a good strategy yeah you don't want to walk around there plus you never know when there will be a shooting and you have to run away so i mean you definitely don't want to be in heels no, no. <laughs> I can see my wife taking off the heels if that was the case and take off running. In fact, she she would be waiting for me. Uh, I would be trying to keep up with her. So when it comes to that, listen, uh, let, let's wrap it up. I, Washington uh, will retire their name and logo. And the beauty of it was uh, Dan Snyder announced that change using the Washington uh, name and logo that is currently there as he announced that they're going to remove the name and logo. So I felt like it was the one last middle finger to everybody as he is forced to change uh, the logo yeah. because FedEx and, uh, and Nike and Walmart and Target and Dick's are putting pressure on him to change. Listen, when Walmart is forcing you to change and all the issues that Walmart has had, had over the years, yeah. you know you've got problems. Well, that's true, and I, I just uh, this is breaking news right here. The new the new name of the Washington team is uh, they're calling them the Washington Indians. W- say what? Yeah, they, they're calling themselves the Indians. Well, didn't they? I so I, I don't know what Dan Snyder's thinking. He was talking. No, about, no, I'm, I'm, 
No, I'm kidding. That's not oh, really because yeah. he was like, I'm not gonna make a reference to anything. Right. Like I don't, I don't, I don't even want to know about them. <laughs> I don't want to care. I, we're not talking about Indians or Braves or anything like that. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be announced soon. And um, I heard, and I feel like this is gossip. So let, let's kind of keep this on the low. I heard that there was uh, someone out there that trademarked all the names that they were talking about. The Red Tails, the Warriors, and everything. He trademarked them not for any reason, but to hold them hostage. So if Snyder yeah. wanted him, wanted them, he would have to pay him. So I love that because uh, Dan Snyder is a businessman, and he would have done the same thing. And the fact that somebody jumped on him and did that, it's just, it's just, I love it. I, I'm rubbing my hands, going, he, it's just great. So we'll see what happens with the with the name change. Well, he, you know. I like the idea. Uh, I had an idea of this. He could he could keep the name the same, right? Washington Redskins, but change the logo to a Redskin potato. Yeah, okay, that that's one way. It might offend somebody in Idaho. Uh, it might no, offend a potato, honestly, you know. So we, we have to be uh, we have to be aware of that. Yeah. And I came to that because when I was a kid, I, sw- I swear to you, I literally thought that's what they meant. You know, like when I would hear my, you know, I wasn't watching the game, but I would like hear in the background the Redskins. I literally, I swear to God, thought of a potato. I didn't realize they were talking about Native Americans. Like, so, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, if it was a potato, it would have been fine, actually. You know, just... Yeah, well, I, what is your thought for anyone that is, and and not anyone, there are plenty of people that are just saying that this is absolutely ridiculous and that the name change shouldn't happen. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about changing the name and the people that have a problem with changing the name? I think, uh, well, you, you, hear, you hear my name. I think the Kansas City Chiefs should, should change their name to the, the Kansas City Karens. Okay. <laughs> but then what would happen then? You know, I mean, I mean, really, it's a joke. But like, what would happen? Well, like, would people be outraged then? Like, I imagine the logo would look like the New England Patriots logo, but with like that Karen haircut, you know, that short bob kind of thing. Yep. Um, but you know, I mean, like, what would people say then? Would would they? You know, so you have to look at it like that. Like, what if it was your people that they were saying that about? You know, or so I think kind of like, you know. We, yeah, we just need to move on from it. This the whole thing of like with the, the Confederate statues and stuff that's been up for a long time, and it's like it's part of our history. And it's like, yeah, well, but this is the present, and right now we're deciding this is a time where these things need to come down. You know, we we need to show our our neighbor and our fellow people that we don't think this is acceptable anymore. So when people say it's just stupid, like, yeah, I mean, yes, it does. It may not solve any problem immediately, but it's a gesture to the people that like. Yeah, this is kind of messed up that we name this this way. And then now we have this moment of history where we can change it. I don't get why it's the idea that things have to just keep going on the same way they did forever just because that's how it was when you were a kid. You know, I just don't I don't understand that logic of like why why can't you change something? You know, it's obviously we we acknowledge this is horrible. We've been acknowledging this is horrible, you know, for a long time in sports, you know, and so yeah, to me, the people that have a problem with it are probably, you know, you know, you'd hate probably bigoted in some sense, right? They're they're probably kind of revealing themselves to something, but. I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I think the biggest problem with what you're talking about is that you're using common sense. And Richard, <laughs> I've, I've got to tell you something. Um, not a lot of people are using common sense nowadays. And uh, it's hard for people to understand that. And, you know, I've, I've had conversations before and we've talked about it before, uh, not on the show, but, you know, privately. Um, yeah. 
you know, it. I, I try to simplify things to get people to understand. And then I realize that people just don't want to understand. And then I just kind of let them be and try not to be too judgy because unfortunately some of these people are, are friends or people that I knew or grew up with and things like that. So I yeah. want to kind of be respectful of just, you know, we have our differences. Uh, if it's called the red skins, how would you feel if it was called the white skins or the brown skins or the black skins? Does, does that make, if I said it that way, does it stand out more for you? Or is it a way for you to kind of think about it like that? Because all I'm doing is changing the color. And if you thought about it like that, would you then be offended? And if you're not, then one, maybe you just don't give. Or two, you're just stuck on you being right and you being stuck to your ideas of what things should be. And that's okay because that's the world we live in. And I think in order for us to grow, we need to have some tolerance and not just shut the door and end the conversation. But I know when it comes to certain things like that, I know who my audience is. And then at that point, I'm just like, well, okay, all right, we'll move on and find something else that uh, we can discuss and maybe uh, bond and have in common with, you know, and yeah. and usually you, you'll find some common ground with something. And, you know, I've said this before, I rather know where you stand than where you try to pretend you stand. Because I can respect oh, yeah. that. I, I can re- I, I can respect somebody. You know, I can re- respect somebody that I totally not don't agree with. If they're being clear about it, and I'm clear about it, there there's some mutual respect on that. I'm just like I, I get it. Instead of you trying to feed me something and then behind my back you're doing something else. So I have I I'm all I'm I have the utmost respect for uh, disagreement. To say well, to say know, it simply. Yeah, and you. You know, and what is what is your ethnic background? You're... I I am a Puerto Rican. My mother and father are both Puerto Rican, and I was uh, uh, born and raised in New York City. All right. So yeah, you're yeah. That, that's pretty. So you have have you experienced anything like that, like kind of nastiness or? Oh, I've, I've yeah, I've I've experienced it, and that would be a whole other show. But uh, yeah, yeah. whether it's uh, whether it's race, whether it's uh, the things that we're dealing with uh, right now with uh, with police, whether it's uh, feeling afraid of getting pulled over, even I am I am forty six years old. Um, I had a sheriff pull up behind me with my wife and daughter uh, coming back from camping uh, by Port Angeles about two weeks ago. And I literally, my heart started beating again. And those are old feelings uh, coming back. And the things that I've spoken to my son about, if you get pulled over, keep your hands on the steering wheel. Before you reach for anything, let them know. Roll down your window. Put your phone up on the holder. Make sure it's there. And if you could hit record so you have some kind of sort of protection, let them know, officer, my wallet is in my back pocket May I reach for it? Okay, I'm reaching for my wallet now. I mean, these are things that people just don't understand. But when you yeah. grow up in a certain way and you grow up in a certain neighborhood, I, I, I grew up, you know, in in uh, in the 80s in, in Bronx, New York. And, uh, and, you know, on both sides of it, right? You know, it was a difficult time. That was the crack era. I grew up, I was a teenager during the ca- uh, crack epidemic. And uh, between the crackheads and the police and TNT and everything else that was happening during those times, it was a difficult situation for everyone, but I still have 
those concerns. My wife grew up in one of the worst neighborhoods in Brooklyn. She grew up in East New York. And we know these these neighborhoods. And we know when we see trouble in the corner, I would walk the long way around or cross the street or whatever the case may be. So um, I've, ex- I've had different experiences, but it, those experiences kind of stay with you. And even though you get older and you feel like this is something where I could get pulled over and I've had friends talk to me, be like, hey, I get pulled over. I haven't done anything. I'm fine. I'm not worried about it. I was like, yeah, but my experiences uh, in those situations have been different. And, I, and I'm really concerned. And um, it's something to always think about. And like I said, uh, I, I, I experienced those feelings just recently with my wife in my car and it's kind of me giving the play oh the guy uh, the sheriff pulled up behind me he's right behind me and you know like I'm going through the play by play and um, and, and I'm hoping that we get to a point where we don't I don't know feel that way anymore I think at, at, at this point in juncture I'm always going to feel that way but I'm hoping that the next generation or generations before that uh, oh, you know that come along will will have a better interaction and that we can unite as community and and do things together and depend on one another. But that's just me being hopeful about the future. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think the young generations are are doing a good job with it. You know, in fact, and um, you know, I can I, I can speak for you know for white culture. That's the only culture I can speak for. And I, in in white culture, this goes back to Daniel Snyder, kind of. Um, you know, there was they. The, the end game is always money, it seems like, you know, and that, that's a, you know, um, so for him, but the, it doesn't even make sense that he doesn't want to change the name because, you know, you get the name change, you get to sell new jerseys, you get to, you know, like, they, they like to do that kind of nonsense anyway all the time. We're like, we've got the retro jersey, we've got the, are they going to be able to even have a retro jersey? <laughs> is it going to be like a blurred out redskin symbol? That's funny. There's things that you, you they're going to have to figure out, right? That's interesting. Yeah, like, but so they do all that kind of stuff, and it's like, but so that's why I understand why he was so resistant to it. Like, what and 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 at, to your point of like why the people have such a problem with it, it's almost kind of like a, you know, it's just a very stubborn kind of thing where like you can't tell me what to do, you know. And that's the that's what it seems to really come down to because, like I said, even business wise, this would make sense for Snyder to go ahead with. Yeah, I, I I agree, but you know sometimes, and uh, and we're seeing it in politics, and we're seeing it in all kind of walks of life. Um, sometimes it's just the point. I, you're not yeah. going to tell me what I can and cannot do, even if it in the long run benefits you, benefits uh, the community, uh, benefits your pocket. Like you said, you, you how much money every every Washington fan will need to buy a New Jersey. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, it, it, there's benefit to change, but yeah. uh, not when you have um, certain people and certain people in power, right? Because people in power don't like to be told what they can and can't do. That's what um, it comes so, yeah, so, you know, it's just that kind of stubbornness. And then who knows, you know, he, he might be getting, we don't know who his circle is, right? Yeah. We don't know who he's affiliated with, who he's friends with, where they're saying, hey, don't give in. That, that's not yeah, what we do. We don't give in. So, you brought up an excellent point there with the with them being owners who aren't told what to do all the time. You know, it, a lot of it I think really does come down to that. Like they're they're people that no one tells them what to do ever. I mean, everyone around them is a yes man. Every you know, and so once that probably is at the crux of why he's not doing it in particular. You know, it's like because why is that the hill you want to die on? Like the the Redskins team name. At the end of the day, it's a stupid sports jersey. Like it. 
it doesn't matter. You know, the gesture of changing the name matters more than that team ever will as far as society goes, you know, like to people that aren't sports fans. So it's kind of like, why would, yeah, like you're saying, with your friends, with Snyder, you know, the motivations may be different, but it is kind of like it's just a, no, you can't. You can't tell us what I, I think that's just the way he is. And, you know, there was a reporter on talking about his interaction with Dan Snyder. And he said, uh, and this is a well-known uh, reporter, and he he turned around and said, um, you know, I was dealing with, I was working with the team, and I saw uh, Dan Snyder. And I said, uh, I said, uh, hello, hey, he said, uh, hi, Dan. And he said, um, Mr. Snyder. And at that point, he knew right. kind of like the person that he was dealing with. I mean, you know, you know that 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 tells that tells you a lot, and and even something so simple, you yeah. know that 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 just tells you a lot, you know what kind of person that is, and 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 how he views people, because obviously, uh, you don't talk to someone like that that you think of as an equal. Uh, you talk to somebody like that, or you treat somebody like that that you feel that is beneath you. Well, yeah, and you got like guys like him and Jim Irsay who's off the rails, and it's like. These people are, are the people in society that know that money doesn't buy you happiness. Like, we can say that. They actually know that. So, like, they're living, a lot of them are living their lives like, you know, this was supposed to bring the supreme happiness. And so everything else is just kind of like a, a power game where they get their little thrills here and there from stuff like this, you know, like the Redskins name, you know, because money is not an issue for them anymore. So it's all just these kind of little power games they have. So I, I think you're right there. And then, there was another thing, the guy, the player for uh, Mississippi State, I wanted to talk about. the um, Kylan Hill. Yeah, yeah. This, see, this has me thinking about something really more interesting as far as, like, social change, even beyond the Redskins, because I think when he made that statement about how he wasn't, what was he, he was going to transfer, right, if they didn't. Yeah, he was, he was, he, he's the quarterback out of my, uh, Mississippi State, and then he mentioned that he would not play for them unless the flag was changed uh, uh, in Mississippi, because the left side of the flag has the Confederate uh, battle flag, and it's been there since right. 1894. So, uh, and along with him because all, all this stuff happened the SEC announced that they were going to pull the championship events if the flag wasn't pulled and then on uh, June 27th uh, Mississippi State Legislature uh, both House and Senate passed a resolution that will begin uh, the process to change the state's flag uh, so that is now in the process to change that flag and the flag becomes like such a living in the south like have you ever lived in the south like that area? I, I, I lived in Maryland at, at one point that's not really quite the South yet. I'm talking like, you know, SEC country, you know, like. No, 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 no. Not, not Mississippi, not Alabama, not, uh, yeah. you know, not, not the, not the heart of the South. Uh, no. So the Confederate flag is like so ubiquitous there. Like you could go to a convenience store and see a Confederate flag for sale. Like one of the ones to put on your car. It's like, it's so much part of this, of the culture down there. Like people that from here that never been there would, would go there and be like flabbergasted at how, some of these places, you know what I mean? It, it would just be like a Confederate flag. For but but that's their norm. Yeah. Next to like, next to like, you know, a Jaguars hat or something, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times you see it and it's like, okay, well that person likes to listen to Leonard Skinner. That's what that means. You know, it's, it's not even necessarily even always entangled with races. I know, I know people find that hard to believe, but, but then again, a lot of times it is. And again, like we're saying, the gesture is important, right? Yeah. So with this, so with this player on the SEC, I find interesting is like I, I had forgotten just how powerful SEC football is in the South. I mean, it, it rules the land down there. 
you know, I'm talking the Florida Gators, the Georgia Bulldogs, Ole Miss, teams that you, you know, you and I wouldn't uh, care teams about. Teams that don't need yeah. the NFL. I mean, I mean, right. states, states yeah, yeah, that yeah. don't need the NFL. Absolutely. They don't need the NFL, man. Yeah. I mean, Alabama, Princeton, Tide, are you kidding me? So, like, you know, people want them to play NFL teams. They're so good. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, SEC football rules in a way that I can't even really describe, like, to somebody who's not from there. I mean, it's, it's, it's or, or it's doesn't, a, doesn't know college football like that. I mean, if you're a college football fan, you know, you know, that sec is King, you know, they, it, it's more surprising when the sec loses to a non-conference team. Yeah. And, and like the, the Florida, Georgia game, for example, when I lived in Jacksonville, Florida, the yearly Florida, Georgia game, it, it's always played on Halloween. It's this big thing, right? They call it the world's largest out, outdoor cocktail party. These people camp out around the stadium in campers, for a week, like literally a week. I'm not exaggerating that. They come the weekend before, like at the end of it, and they camp out around the stadium and tailgate for an entire week. Like that's next level, like, you know, obsession. So like that's how big SEC is. So my point is like if players like this start doing things like that, you know, like really, really high, mar- you know, marquee guys, if they start using their leverage like that, they could actually, I think, really affect social change in the South because – one thing that the, the South may say, you know, they don't care about anything else, you know, Southern man don't need them around anyhow, you know, that kind of, you know, but they will care if some of these big recruits stop going to the schools. They will take notice. That, that's the equivalent of, like, setting a, a police car on fire in downtown Seattle. You know, like, they will notice when that happens. And so this guy doing that brought me to, like, this new way that these players, not only that, but, like, going to historically black colleges instead of the major schools. And, again, if the media will do its job and follow the stars instead of the schools, then those schools will suddenly have a spotlight. They'll get more funding. I mean, these college players, and that's what college should be, right? Expanding your mind, not just running a ball around and smashing your head into oblivion. Like these players could really come together, maybe with under the direction of somebody big in the sports world, like LeBron James, who like really knows what he's doing. Like that guy, that guy's amazing. Yeah. Somebody like that to like sort of like organize them in a way where it's like, he comes out and says, you know, these guys are going here if you don't change this. And then that, I think, could really potentially start, you know, changing the South in a way. That, it changed the balance of, uh, yeah. of sports and of recruiting um, and the, it, the power. Like, imagine, yeah, I mean, imagine Nick Saban going to, like, his officials in the city and saying, oh, man, my recruiting is getting destroyed by this, you know, this this nonsense that you guys are doing in this city, like, you know, get rid of the statues you know like come on yeah and then suddenly people listen because then you got money involved you know like what did i say before you know white people respect money money and leverage is how you usually make white people change yeah i mean it's sad to say but i don't find that really in any other culture except white culture man they're really i mean even to some degree like in my own family like death becomes like a financial transaction like what was the will like you know they're more worried about that i mean it's it's pretty sick sometimes to me honestly like I mean, maybe that's why my, my wife is, is not white. But I mean, in my own experience, it, it became like that. You know, it was really sad. I look back on, on that, that culture in the South and then even people, and it's kind of just like, it's not, a, it's not a positive way to view life, you know. But in the case of these athletes here, I think they could really, like, shift the tide in the South, which would be amazing. You know, they could be, like, the another huge political movement that's spurred by sports. Anyway, to bring it kind of full circle to what we were saying. 
Yeah, and and, and you know, I, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I, I think that um, basketball players, and it's funny how you mentioned LeBron, they, they could have the immediate impact. Uh, when you have football, there's so many players on the team that it's, it's a little bit, it'll, it'll take a a little bit more time, uh, a lot of big players to change their mind. But for basketball, you get top, you know, two of the top twenty high school basketball players to go to uh, HBCU and or something like that and change the landscape. And you know, guys that are supposed to go to Duke, uh, you know, Maker Mark um, recently decided that he was going to go to Howard, and he was recruited by Kentucky yeah. and Duke and everybody else. And there's a couple other guys that are thinking about going to these uh, other universities, you know, these uh, uh, black colleges. You do that, you know, people are going to look around. Didn't uh, Jamil Hill write an article about that, like the historic black colleges and how players are starting to look at going there, and how she thought that that could be a way that. Um, again, kind of like what I'm saying, but more to that point of like, like you're saying, helping these historic black colleges, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't read it, but I would, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, she, I mean, she's on the pulse of all that. And, uh, I and wouldn't I, be surprised I, if she wrote an article like that. I get that, but I love Jamil Hill, man. She's like one of my favorite. I've liked her ever since I was unemployed in Jacksonville, sitting there watching that his and her show she had like at 2 PM, yeah. you know, a time that, a time that all the unemployed people watch TV, 2 yep. PM. Like I'm sitting there watching that. I liked her then, like even before this stuff started. She just always seemed like a very like real person. Like even before she got into this, like you know, I really respect her. Man. She, like people ridicule her because she lost her job at ESPN, but like in a lot of ways, she's doing something more important than ESPN now. And know? she and she's about to get a new job also. And I don't have the details on that. I'm pretty sure you can look it up. I I, I don't remember exactly where she's going, but she's about to do uh, to get a new job and uh, do some impactful work. So that's something that we just need to look up. I I, I apologize. I don't I don't remember the details off the top of my head. Hey, come on! You're supposed to know everything I bring up. All the details right away. <laughs> At least I could try to point you in the right direction. You could find things like, uh, you know, useless uh, Boston College games uh, against uh, Miami and uh, okay. and things like that. So, uh, <laughs> I'll be no, out but there. actually, actually, you are pretty quick on that. Though I'll mention something, and you'll already have the thing up. <laughs> Richard, man, it was good to talk to you, buddy. Well, yeah, it's good to talk sports, and now there actually is something to talk about. Not like uh, during that slow period when I think people were like even entertaining Russell Wilson trade rumors. It had gotten so slow sports-wise that people were throwing that idea around that the Seahawks might trade him, you know? Yeah, that's nonsense. <laughs> so now, I mean, that's how slow it got. Like, you know they're not going to trade Russell Wilson. But like, yeah, so it's good now to actually have something to to talk about you know yeah definitely um, and we'll definitely talk again man it's it's always good to talk to you and uh uh talk sports and more importantly have insightful conversations and and you know have thinking thoughts and the, the weird words like common sense and stuff like that you know it's like a next level thing kind of but like the idea of the nfl draft like with the pandemic happening is the the draft kind of seems outdated to me anyway it's always been kind of weird like what if, like, you were an engineer and you got drafted into Microsoft? Or, you know, it's like, it's a strange thing anyway. But the idea of the draft, and even the optics of the draft is kind of weird. Right? But now you'll have players like, okay, I got drafted and I got to go to Oklahoma or Florida, you know, with, with an out-of-control COVID thing. Would that kind of thing be, like, even legal? Or, you know, may they even challenge the whole concept of being drafted to a city, you know, because then you got to go be in that city. Yeah, it was just something I thought of earlier when we were going into that. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure how they would do it. I, I you know, the, the problem is that you, you might start getting um, what happens not with the NBA. I think the NBA is a bad example, but I'm just going to use it as an example. But it's a bad one, right? Uh, where you start getting uh, players to kind of team up and, and create these super teams, right? So if you want everybody to, you know, be on, you know, one of my favorite teams, right? The New York Giants, right? And then everybody's like, well, I'm not going to do that. I want to be on the Giants or I'm only going to go to the Giants. So I, it, there's there's different obstacles. I, I think we would probably need to sit down and really think about, you know, what would be a fair way um, to control some of the destiny. And maybe it's just you get drafted, but you get out of your commitment earlier. Maybe instead of signing a contract that's for four years or something like that, and, and maybe if they go to guarantee contracts, you'll have some more leverage where you can sign that money instead of signing for a four-year contract, you sign for a two-year contract guaranteed, and then you become a free agent where you're not franchised or tagged or anything like that, where they kind of that your organization kind of keeps you longer than you want to be there. So I think there has to be maybe more creative ways to find a way to kind of get you out of your contract. I know Jamal Adams for the Jets has been talking about uh, leaving the Jets. He wants to be compensated uh, financially. He's the heart and soul of the team. And he feels that he's not getting his money worth. And he's like, so then trade me. And that's been some of the rumors with the Seahawks, with the Cowboys. I don't think they'll trade him because they have his rights for another two years. And that's, yeah. and that's one of the problems with these type of players and these type of contracts. So maybe you can't control where these players get drafted. And like I said, maybe something that needs uh, more thought into it. But maybe they can get out of those contracts earlier um, so they can, they can go where they want to go. And some guys might not want that because they might want just the job security of the contract. But I think a lot of that revolves around guaranteed contracts, which is something that doesn't happen right now. And we'll see what that happens when they finally have to go back and negotiate in a few years. Or maybe they can pick like before the draft, like, you know, five cities that they will absolutely not go to. <laughs> well, listen, e- Eli Manning. You know, he said he wasn't going to go to the Chargers, and they uh, they forced a trade to the Giants. The Giants gave up three picks for him. You know, but he said he said I'm not going to the Giants. No way. I mean, to the Chargers. No way. But see, guys like Eli. See, this is again with the privilege thing. He they, had, yeah, the, you're right. He, had fans, he could play that kind of game. Like, like everyone was like, Peyton played his last year of college. I'm like, well, he had a huge insurance policy in case he got hurt. Like, some of these guys have to buy their mom a house. You know, like they can't. No, no. Some, some some of these guys need to to have mom and dad eat some food and and, right, and pay exactly. some bills and, and and you know get a, a car that works and and things like that. So yeah, I one hundred percent. Yeah, there is privilege. Archie Manning is already wealthy, and you know Peyton was wealthy, and you know so it makes it easier for Eli and and that family, the Manning family, to dictate where he was going and where he wasn't going. So you're absolutely right. And that goes back to maybe some of these guaranteed contracts need to happen for these guys. But, um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see how it gets negotiated. Uh, I just hope that the NFLPA uh, doesn't screw them because I, I, it's mind-boggling to me that football players in the hardest and most dangerous sport that there is, besides boxing and mixed martial arts and you know anything like that, uh, don't have guaranteed contracts. That's crazy. Yeah, it really is. I've never understood that. This is my wife, Shathai, talking about her 
radio station she started? Uh, well, it's kind of like a family brainchild. They're great artists that just have no representation. Like, they're really kicking ass, but they're just not kicking the theme. We kind of want to help get the word out about what they're doing, especially during, like, COVID times where they can't go out and they can't, they're not making money anymore, they're not busking, they're not supporting their families. And this, I think, is a great vehicle to kind of keep them moving until we can get started up again safely. And, and where can we listen to them? Uh, you can check us out at klabradio.io. The station's cool because, like, she throws together these bands and, like, there's a band called High Pulp, for example, Seattle Zone. It's a really good, like, jazz instrument. Oh, they're, 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 they're amazing. amazing. And, like, we have them on the station. And, you know, we contact the artists and they're all, a lot of them are independent, so they can just grant us the use of their music, you know? So, uh, yeah, we have, I mean... We have, like, a treasure trove of music now, man. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. The True Love, we have Levice, we have Sean Lightfoot, just people that I, I really don't know why these people haven't been picking up Grammys because they're yeah. just, like, great, great artists. And and good people. I looked at, uh, recently I was looking at, like, and I take a lot of time to do a lot of uh, studying about how to do this because I have no clue what I'm doing. And I looked at what, the profit margin for news or talk show only uh radio stations in 2018 and i think they were clearing like 18 million dollars or something and it's like wow i understand why those stations keep pushing the same rhetoric over and over again because they're really trying to make money they have to like they, they don't want that thing to stop but with us I, that's that's not what we want to do we we're not going after this for money yeah. So hopefully there's going to be something more authentic that comes out of the back end. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a non, it's a nonprofit station. You know? Yeah, we we don't care. Well, we if anyone wants to give money to the station, we ask them to give it like to the artists, that are, the musicians, you know, just to go directly to them and help them out. But it, it, there's no app to download. There's no email list. Exactly. There's no all this nonsense. You know, every time you go online, you got to enter your social security in and your you know. No, you don't have to do that. You, you go to the site, you click play, and you listen. And there's no commercial. There's no easy commercials. You just listen. <laughs> you just listen to good indie music. You know, it's like kind of old school Seattle, like 90s Seattle. Like we were, you know. It's a KLAB radio or klabradio.io. Uh, check them out and uh, get some more information. Uh, Shathai, uh, Richard, uh, hey, thanks for taking some time and spending with us, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Oh, thank you, man. It's always, always fun. All right, man. We'll talk again, man. You guys take care. You have a great night and uh, take care of the boys. Absolutely. Love the fam. Next time we'll talk baseball at the quantum physics level. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Take care, guys.